had a couple of grandsons here, and I asked them a question. Is close good enough? And then we got to thinking of areas where close counted. And I asked them, where does close count? And they said, horseshoes and hand grenades. I said, yeah. And then we came up with darts and cornhole. And uh, there's a lot of things that we did not think of. I remember 50 years ago, after church one Sunday, we was playing horseshoes. There's a couple of older guys there that uh, showed Beverly and I how it was done very easily. Their name was Glenn Elmore and Charlie Fielder. I mean, if they didn't get a ringer every time, I was surprised. Because I think his old brother Charlie, he could throw that horseshoe, and if the ground was soft, it would just slide and then boom, right up there on the stake. Them guys was good. Well, I asked him, grandson, when does close not count? And we came up with some ideas. Uh, in sports, take for instance, close doesn't count. If you're high jumping, pole vaulting, broad jumping, triple jumping, they measure by, that by inches. You can be close to winning, but you don't. What about the races, they're, they're measured in hundreds of seconds. And you see them guys, if they're racing, they lean towards the end. It may be a photo finish. You could be close, but you're not the winner. One of the boys came up with the idea of a job application. You can be in the top two, and if you don't get the job, you don't get a paycheck. You're close, but you didn't get the job. What has that got to do with what we're talking about anyway? I don't know. <laughs> is God okay with close, is my question. I asked another grandson. He's here, so y'all can figure that out. Is God okay with close? He said, no, he is not okay with close. So there's your answer before we get further down the road. Let's look at some examples of close over in John 5, starting with verse 4, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Jesus is there at this time. He knows this guy has had an infirmity for 38 years. For 38 years he had been wanting to get in the pool. He was close. Jesus asked him a question, Wilt thou be made whole? The man answers and says, The important man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I am coming, another step is down before me. So whatever his infirmity was, he couldn't move too good. So as he's getting to go to the pool, Somebody beats him in. He was close, though, but he still had this infirmity. Remember what Jesus said, or what he did. He said, take up thy bed and walk. Jesus done a miracle on the man. Whatever his problem was, he went away walking and rejoicing. But he was close to the pool and never got healed without Jesus. 
Another example is Judas. Matthew 27 and 4 saying, I have sinned and that I've betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to it. And he cast down the pieces of silver and in the temple and he departed and went and hanged himself. Jesus was close to Judas. He picked him. Judas ate with Jesus at times. He walked with Jesus. He listened to Jesus teach. He saw Jesus do miracles. Yet, Judas goes down in history as a Christian failure. The guy that betrayed Jesus Christ. Yes, he was close to Jesus. Another example. Matthew 25, verse 2. We start here. And the five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. You remember what happened? Their lamps went out. So the wise wanted oil. I mean, the foolish wanted oil from the wise. And they said, there's not enough for both. They went to buy their oil. When they came back, the party was over. They could not get in. I'm going to say they was not prepared. I ask you today, are you prepared in your Christian walk? Are you prepared? Are you wise or are you foolish? Think about this. Some people was close, but they just didn't do it right. They did not do it right. 2 Samuel 6, starting in verse 6. When they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. What was Uzzah's error? The error was he put the ark on a cart. God's word had said to carry it with staves or poles. Men was going to tote it along. That's what his, God had told them to do. Uzzah just upgraded God's word, didn't he? That's a good idea. We put it on a cart. People are not going to get tired walking. What if somebody stumbles and drops it? I've heard in the religious world for a long time, I don't see why that would hurt. Do you see what that would hurt to put it on a cart? I hear people say that all the time. I don't see why that would hurt to have Sunday school, have a women teacher, to have musical instruments, to do communion once a year. I don't see what it hurt. God has told us the way he wants it. We have to do it right. 2 Kings 5 and verse 10. 
says, And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and behold, I thought he surely would come out to me, and stand, and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and remove the leper. Naaman went away in a rage. He took his band of people that he had with him with all his supplies, and on the way, one of the servants came to him and says, You know, Master, if they'd asked you to do something great, would you have done it? So he went to thinking. So he goes to Jordan, and he dips seven times. His flesh comes to him as a baby. He's clean. What was Naaman's problem? It was I thought. Brothers and sisters, we do not get paid to think. If you get something out of this lesson, you don't get paid to think. You get paid to do. I imagine Uzzah says, I thought it'd be okay to put that ark on a cart. That ain't what God wanted. We're supposed to follow his commandments. He's got something in mind. We're just supposed to do it. One more. In Jonah 1 and 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You know what Jonah did? He gets on a ship and goes to Tarsus. He don't go to Nineveh. While he's out at sea, there's a great storm. Looks like the ship's going to be broken in two and sunk. Jonah tells them, I'm the reason. God told me to go to Nineveh and cry against that city, but I didn't do it. I didn't want to do it. They threw him overboard. God prepared a great fish. He was swallowed by a whale. I've had some people tell me it wasn't a whale. Uh, It is in Matthew 12 and 40 said Jonah was in a whale's belly for three days and three nights. After that time, the whale spews him up on land. He goes to Nineveh. He was persuaded to go to Nineveh. God tells us what to do. We need to do it right. There's always a problem when you don't do it right. I'm going to hit on some areas that I hit on a lot, so accept my apology. In the religious world today, we see all of these plans to have your sins forgiven. People think they can change it. People think it's okay to do it this way. Let's do it the way God says. We'll look at it quickly. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Most religious people today say you need to believe in something or somebody. They may put in Buddha or whoever, but you need to believe in somebody. Some will say it's just enough to believe and you got it done. I call that the one and done. Believe in Jesus and then you can do whatever you want to. Let's look at God's plan. 
Luke 13 and 3 and 5 says, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repent means to change the way you're living. If you lie or you tell stories, you disobey your mom and dad or just whatever you do, you murder people, you're going to quit. You're sorry for doing that. You're going to try to follow God's law. That's what repentance means. Matthew 10 and 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. And whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Most religious organizations agree with this. They say it's fine to do that. Some will go as far as to have you read a prepared statement. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I accept him as my personal savior, and then your sins are forgiven. That's wrong. That ain't what God says to do to have your sins forgiven. The rest of it is in Matthew 28 and verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you, all the way even to the end of the world. That is how we do it here. We follow God's plan. You send people come forward, usually to the front. They're asked a question. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? They say yes. Go over here to the side for the change of clothes or towels. Come up to the baptistry. They go down in it. Those words are said in verse 19. When they come up the steps... At that point in time, there's not a sin held accountable to them. The sins are gone right then. They're perfect at that time. That's the way it works. Other organizations will have them say a prayer or whatever, maybe in a two or three weeks. They may get to be baptized as an outward show, but their sins is already gone. They might even get a snow cone. We have to do it right to have your sins forgiven. Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, one of my favorite verses. Let us hear conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For those of you that think the Bible is hard to understand, just do this. You punch the ticket to heaven if you do this. That's pretty simple. For those that think it's just enough to believe, that's wrong. Think about James 2 and 10. It says, the devils also believe and tremble. What do the devils believe in? They believe that Jesus Christ has the authority to condemn them to hell for eternity. That's why they're trembling. So they're doing part of this, but they don't keep his commandments. The devils are out there tricking us up, getting us to do things we shouldn't do, think things we shouldn't think, and to break God's law. One more thought. In James 2 and 10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, 
He is guilty of all. This verse really bothers me. I'd compare it to a, to a ball game. We have ball game people here. You lead the whole game. You get right at the last and you lose by one point. You walk away from the game and you go, what if? What if we had made another free shot? What if so-and-so hadn't got hurt? What if just we hadn't made them mistakes? And you're just crushed because you know you was better than the other team, but you messed up right at the end. This can happen in your life race to go to heaven. You can mess up. Let me give you an example. Mark 10 and 21, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou likest, Go thy way, and sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Earlier, here in Mark, a rich young man ran up to Jesus and said, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus went through some of the commandments. Don't murder, don't kill, don't lie, don't bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother and all of this. The young man says, All of these have I kept from my youth up. This guy was near perfect. He was good. He was a good moral person. One thing he liked. Sell your riches, give it to the poor, you'll have eternal life. He went away sorrowful and grieved. He kept his riches. He did not get eternal life. He liked one thing. I ask you today, what is the one thing standing between you and heaven? What is the one thing that you're not willing to give up? Is it being baptized? We have had a lot of people baptized in the last month or two. And that's wonderful. I'm excited. I'm happy. We have tears when people are baptized. It's not because they're sad. It's because they're happy. It's been wonderful. Have you been baptized? We've had some people baptized again. If you don't know if your baptism is correct, don't take the risk. Heaven is worth it. We'll do it again. There's nothing wrong with that. What's holding you back? Revelations 2 and 10 Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil's shall cast some of you in prison, and you shall be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Some of us put God on the back burner. Some of us get caught up with all of our trials and tribulation. Some of us get slack. Is that what's holding you back? 
Are you willing to give that up and really push towards that goal? James 2 and 15. If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things that are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead being alone. We have to social distance. We don't want to get too close to nobody. We don't want to catch coronavirus. So do we just float along in the sea of life, kind of down the stream of least resistance? We know to do some good and we don't do it? Let's go back to our ball game. You ever been in the game and you got beat by 50 points? You just got blowed out. You're the loser, right? If you're the loser by 50 points or the loser by one point, you're still the loser, right? You lost. Well, I'm telling you that you can come back. In James 5 and 16, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You've been in sports activities. You'd be behind all through the game, and this right at the end, you pull it out. What happened? You're the winner. If you win by one point or 50 points, you're still the winner. That's what we need to be in our Christian walk. We keep pushing towards the end. We keep pushing so that we can get to the goal that's ahead. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.